I'm a master gardener, and so is our good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson, for 40 years. Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen, and good morning to you. It's um, it's warmer out, but it certainly is windy. Well, you uh, wait. It's not going to be warm for long. I know, <laughs> I know. Hey, you know what? I went into my uh, closet that where I store coats and things, mm-hmm. and I found a coat I had probably 25 years ago, which is one of those um, kind of quilted blankety thing. Real puffy. Yeah, real puffy yeah. one of those. And I dragged it out and I washed it. And there in addition to that there was a lining and I washed the lining. I'm all set for so the So you got weather. you're warm. That's good. Yes. Yes. Hey, you know, we had a great question last week. Yeah, for, somebody wanted to know about hydroponics. Yes, they did. And uh I have been interested in hydroponics for a long time, although I've never had a desire to raise plants um, hydroponically. You can do a setup, and I know that some I've seen on different gardening sites where you can buy a hydroponic setup, and it's a lot of money. But or, some people have shown you can do it yourself with like PVC pipe and stuff for yes. really reasonable if you have that skill. Yes, and Call here's Dave. the thing. I thought um, hydroponically growing plants was something from maybe the uh, 19th century or something like that. But in doing my research, I found out that the Babylonians in 600 BC, and you know, uh, they are famous for the hanging gardens of Babylonia. And that's how those gardens were tended and fed. They used, uh, yes, they were the first ones to be growing things hydroponically, which, you know, if we just take a look at this then, um, hydroponic just means hydro is water. Right. So it's growing plants without soil with just using water. Well, so- now, I did an interview with the folks over at Owatonna who hydroponically produce tomatoes and strawberries. And now they have a system where they have a whole bunch of fish. And so mm-hmm. the fish are in the water, and that's where the nutrients all come that these plants get um, when d- no dirt. It's just in in the water, but it's a great... Uh, way to do it because you're you're getting the waste out and yes. the fish are doing well and yeah. And hey Karen, you know what? Uh, for all the plants that I bring in in the fall, I save the water from our fish that when we change the water, put it in five gallon buckets and I use that for watering those plants. So um, that wait, is wait, a great wait. idea. So in the, you mean the water in the, in, oh, so in your, at the end of the season, you water your plants. Uh, well, uh, if, when I bring the fish in, put them in uh-huh. the aquariums, we change the water in the aquariums okay. and, uh, and we save that water. And I use it for the plants. Oh, that's great. So I can tell you that's good. But there's there's quite a bit really to know. It's not just a very simple thing to start. Decide you want to grow hydroponically. So there are uh, things that you do need that you don't really probably think about. You're, you're going to need, you can use like a tub or something like that. Or if you go to the website, the University of Minnesota, the extension, they have uh, a 32-page document there Whoa. that it tells you everything you wanted to know about growing hydroponically. And this is really designed for um, small 
uh, like a home-based operation, not a business. Right. So it lists the things. And most of our listeners, obviously, are probably want to just do their own thing. Exactly. Yeah. So you might want to, after, if you're, if you're thinking about this, you might want to think, well, what could I grow and when would I be using this? If you're going to put in a system because you want vegetables in the winter, you're going to have to also have artificial light. And that would probably be one of the most expensive things that you'll you'll get, I would think, for the system. Yes. But again, it depends on just how big a system you're going to do. But I would suggest, I found some uh, sites where you could buy um, a tub with the things you needed to grow uh, hydroponically, not the plants, but for about $50. Oh. Now, what the university recommends is that if you're going to grow inside in the winter, even with your lights, that you use greens, short season greens, like your lettuce greens and your herbs, things like that. If you're going to be doing this, you can in a tub outside in the summer. You can you can raise strawberries, you can raise peppers, you can raise anything as long as you're starting with plants. Then, and the, the like you said, the light is going to be the the key, especially here with the the, the dark winters that we have inside. Yes. The other thing that's a big thing with these is uh, because you're dealing with culture that's in a warm situation. That's where bacteria grows. You have to keep, whether it's your tub or whether you're using UV pipe or something like that, you've got to take them apart. You've got to clean and get that bacteria out of there. Uh, how often is that? Well, it's going to depend on uh, if you're, you need to, you need to check the pH of your water too. Oh. So it depends on when you see scum and film forming, You've got to take your plants out, and you've got to clean that up. And don't um, always, when you're gardening hydroponically, always wash your hands. Sanitize them before you start touching anything, because it's really easy to transmit bacteria from your hands to the plants to to the water. Now, when you scrub these up, the if you've got a tub, you're going to use soap and water, and they say use a scrub brush. So you're really scrubbing to get all this now stuff you out. What about bleach? Is that? Oh, this is the th- the third thing. Oh, so okay. you scrub with soap, then you rinse, and you use potable water, which means water that you can drink that's not contaminated in any way. Oh. Rinse it with that. Then you use bleach, and you use one tablespoon per gallon of water. Okay, so then you uh, swish that all out in there, make sure, and don't dry it. Air dry it, because you might, if you're using a a cloth or something, you might contaminate it again. So um, cleanliness, this whole thing with managing uh, bacteria and disease is a big part of this water gardening. So, you know, if you've got time to do all that, this is really a good thing uh, for the future. I've read reports now that talk about in our crowded cities like New York, Chicago, something like that, where people live in these uh, food deserts. They don't have access to grocery stores. They're looking at, in the high buildings, doing hydroponic growing up on the rooftops. Oh. And and so that right where the people live, they would have access to food. It's, it's a thing of the future, that's for sure. Well, let me ask you this. 
so if you're planting, let's say, a lettuce, which is a one that a lot of people grow hydroponically, does it mature in the same number of days? Is it, I yeah. mean, this, you yeah. harvest it the same or how does that work? Because a lot of times with regular lettuce, you can cut, you know, cut it off and then more grows back. Right, right. So if you, uh, it, it is, the benefit really comes here uh, in in the size that you're going to produce, whether it's your lettuces and things in the winter or it's your strawberries and peppers in the summer, because they have this perfect environment uh, and and they, they no weeds to compete with. Everything, all the nutrients are there and they just take them up. They don't have any competition with anything else. So you get more fruit and bigger fruit. Oh. So there's there's a bonus right there. How, how do you make sure it gets the right amount of nutrients though? Well, you're, you're going to have to keep managing your... Um, so I mean, is there, your, you have to test or is yes, there like a formula or something? Yeah, no. So that... Uh, you're going to have to have a, a meter. You're going to have to test for the pH if the pH is right, and and then there there are nutrients that have to be fed in with this, oh. and that's all part of this too. So if you if you need uh, N, P, and K to grow things, you're going to need it. You have to put something back into the soil. But I would suggest that this is probably going to be something organic that you're going to put in there. But I don't know that for a fact. Well, you know, that's one piece of gardening that I haven't tried. You know, you you and I have both tried all kinds of gardening. Yes. That's one I don't know that I'm going to take the time to do, but I can see where it would be beneficial. Like if you live in an apartment or something and you want right. those fresh vegetables uh, and you don't have a plot of land, it yeah. might be a you fun know, thing to try. My neighbors, their children gave them a hydroponic setup. And it rolls out on casters, and it's in three tiers. And the water circulates in there. And they just roll it out in the spring after it's warm, and and they grow things in it. Um, You also have to watch where the sun is at so you don't burn things up. So uh, it's, and you have to make sure that um, you've got enough nutrients and water in there. So I, 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 they they bring it out every summer. I don't know. I've never talked to them about if they're happy about it or not. But uh, it's, you know, there's something about digging in the soil. There's something, and moving things around, and uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing to Maybe do. Maybe it's for people who don't want to get their fingernails dirty, Barb. You've, let's say you get your nails done all the time, which you and I obviously don't. Right. So maybe that's, that. maybe that'd be... <laughs> Right. Somebody who would want to try that, not digging in the dirt. Do you know, Karen, another bit of information I found out was in the 1800s when the land-grant universities were established, like the University of Minnesota, do you know that they studied and researched hydroponic growing? Really? And even in Alabama at Tuskegee University, you know, where my... I'm such an admirer of George Washington Carver, who did so much for people and teaching them how to grow things. That was one of the things that if you'd have went to the School of Agriculture, you would have found out about. So it's it's really not a new thing. It's just we've had we've had plenty of land, and uh, food's been available for most of us. But 
as our population grows, there's 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 less land uh, available. And look at how we keep adding roads and parking lots, and uh, this is going to be a problem someday. So hydroponics are part of the future for sure. And, you know, if you do have more questions, call the extension because it's part of the University of Minnesota, and they have studied this sort of thing extensively. So you could call our local person. If they don't know, they will connect you with the right person at the U of M. Yeah, and you know what? It's very simple to use their website. Sure. If you just put in the University of Minnesota Extension and then put in uh, hydroponics, you'll get everything. You'll be able to choose everything that you want. If you want all 32 pages of this report, I would say go for it. Did you print them all? No, I I took two pages. Okay. I, 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 the... Most just the uh, basic understanding of what it is yeah. and how it happens, and then I think disease control is always important. So that whole piece, I hadn't thought about that. How easy it would be for bacteria to grow under those situations, and how, like you described it, it's so touchy that you really—that's one thing you yes. don't really think about when you're outside in the dirt. I mean, there's all kinds of bacteria, and we don't even right really think. And much. you know. Uh, uh, usually we wear gloves, yep. and and I go from one plant to the next plant. I don't change gloves. I keep those same old dirty gloves on. So and I know you're supposed to, uh, you know, we don't always do what, what the best is, you know, because I know after you use pruning shears, you're supposed to wipe between every cut. And I try, but I don't always. Yeah, that's so that's do as we say, not as we, we take <laughs> shortcuts. You know, I did. Um, well, let me just say one thing about the squirrels. You know, the squirrels. Uh, my husband gets really disgusted with them, and he's been trying to put baffles on our bird feeders because the squirrels are in there. And one day we saw four in this platform feeder at the same time eating, and they weren't bothering with each other. With the baffles? Uh, with the baffles. Well, no, without the baffles. Okay. So then he said, well, we, we, we had one baffle there, but that wasn't doing it. They were still getting there. So he went up, went out, and put some more baffles, and he put a fence around it. And you know what? That didn't keep them out either. So I said, David, you know, they're hungry. Here's the thing. They spend all year long burying their nuts for the winter, and they can't find them because the snow is so yeah. deep. Bird food is cheap. We have to feed them, you know. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, because we have two big feeders. But now they're going to hang around because you're, you're the food place all summer and you're going to be feeding them too. Yes, but, you know, um, they don't seem to be in such, they don't seem to be as hungry as they are now. Okay. They, they are survivors and they're there, they're eating. If they're awake, they're in the feeder eating. They, they, can, they can consume a lot of food. So Barb is out feeding the, I wonder what they're feeding. I bet they're like any kind of bird food seed doesn't matter if it's corn or peanuts or anything they'll probably right. eat it all. they like sunflower seeds oh okay and and of course <clears throat> for the blue jays david has always put out peanuts of course that's a big attractant they love peanuts well and you've mentioned in the past which i thought was kind of funny how you brought a plant in that was in your yard you weren't sure what it was and you dug it up and sure enough it was something coming out of a peanut shell that a, that a squirrel had put somewhere yeah and not only did i have one but i had four of those oh, that had sprouted so um I'm thinking peanuts must be fairly easy to raise. Well, yeah, because I found some in mine, too, where it's like, what is this? It kind of looks a little like an alfalfa. <coughs> well, it is a, a legume. So it's, yeah, you can tell that. Then you dig it and you find this little shell. Yeah, it, but I think that the reason we don't grow them here is because they take so long <coughs> to mature. Yeah, I'm sure that's true because it was, uh, it was probably August before I found these of any size, and then they were blooming. 
Sure. Yeah. So they yeah. weren't ready to, to be harvested at all. No, yeah. no. That's, down, that's why they do the peanuts down <laughs> south. So, Barb, I know you've, like I have been getting tons and tons, and Harvey told me he's got over 50 <laughs> seed catalogs that he's gotten in the mail. And I'll tell you what, it's the kind of thing where you go and you look, and it's like a kid in a candy store where you look at these uh, seed catalogs and you think, I could use that and that and that and that and that. And then I have to always remind myself that, I only have so much space. What do I really, really need? And I love looking at when there's all kinds of new things. And this is one thing I've learned, though, Barb, is you can't just buy one of a thing because it's new. Yeah. For my designing, you really have to look and have re repeat things like repeated uh, type of grass or coleus or something to tie it all together and that's been my mistake in the past is because i want to try one of everything new <laughs> so i have kind of a one here one there versus uh right. tying it together with a, a color or a texture or something right i i think that's true for a lot of people and it's not surprising i mean that's human nature to have one of every single thing but uh, doing a grouping of three or a grouping of five, depending on the size, and then repeating it, that is such an important thing to well, do. Well, I did order 12, actually, a dozen of this. It's called the Millennium Allium because I've got oh. one of these beautiful alliums, and they've got those beautiful purple globes on the top. Yes, yes. And they, they make nice clumps, and even when the flowers are done, they're just such a pretty foliage that I thought, well, I'll have 12, and then I'm going to put them along my area that I... Um, kind of cleared last year so then it'll tie it nicely together on the edge and, and have something that's the same but then in the middle I have like all kinds of different lilies because I you know Grant sure. wants to try different lilies so I did say okay I'm going to get these and you know it costs a little bit but right it's something to do because I think one time one thing it is it's like when you buy one you're like oh it's not that much sure. so when you buy 10 at once you're like oh look at that you but, know the only thing I found about alliums is they were they reproduce really fast. Well, now, this one does not, because I've had oh. this one. I mean, some do, but this particular one, it's a, a hybrid, and I have found that it hasn't spread in the lake wow. house. Now, back home, I've got had one that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes um, that can be a problem, too, that you don't need to do that, because you have to dig them up. All of a sudden, it can become... Uh, looking weedy because you've got this spike coming up here and spikes and it, it then you kind of defeated the purpose but well, well and the other thing you do is, is <coughs> one of the things before they go to seed is a lot of times I will cut the heads off yeah so that's just something you have to pay attention to though right but they they multiply by bulbs and they multiply so fast if you've got good soil and it's not too heavy um I have dug and given away more alliums. <laughs> and this is the one, I think it's called Giganticum. It's oh. really a nice big one. It just really does well. I like it because um, it comes up and blooms with the uh, tulips. Ah, yes. At the same time that you've got that color. Beautiful pop of purple. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I've been reviewing my seed catalogs, and I have started a list okay I, I i haven't started an order i've started a list and one of the things i'm going to do is i am going to order um a couple of different eggplants now last year was i don't even like eggplants so yeah but you would if you if you um you have you ever just uh dipped it in a uh in egg egg yolks and then yeah. put it in a, a cracker crumbs and then fried it. 
that doesn't it's work. just one maybe it's a texture <clears throat> thing with me but okay let's hear about your eggplant well so the thing that's important is uh, if you like eggplant you don't want to be uh, peeling them and you probably shouldn't you want to get one where it says thin skin and that's the best deal and you want to get one that says uh, how many days it takes uh, to get the fruit and um, there's one that's called patio joy and it is uh, designed for pots and it is a 40-day plant so oh it's called it's not patio joy patio baby how many days um 45 days is that after transplanting yes okay because yes. that's i was gonna say that seems <clears throat> awfully fast because this is a small plant okay that the um Eggplants themselves, the fruit, are only two to three inches long. And they are dark, dark purple. Very, very dark purple. So I want that. I want that on my patio because I want to be able to use that. I use that uh, when I make lasagna or something oh. instead of noodles. I have several ways to do it. And I, I absolutely love that. So that would be nice. But then um, there's a... Uh, it's called uh, Listata de Granda, and it is an old European eggplant. So it means an heirloom, it, then? It is an heirloom. Okay. It takes 80 to 90 days. Okay, so... After transplanting? Um, that... Or from seed, because that makes a difference. That's, that's from seed. Okay. But, uh, you, but you're going to start the seed. You never direct seed egg, eggplant in the garden. Right, and you don't put it out till usually the first week in June because it needs warmth. It has to be, yes, the warmer the better. But the thing I like about this one is it has just um, uh, purple. The there It's cream, but then it has purple lines in it. And I'm trying to do vegetables in my perennial flower garden and in my foundation plantings. I just... An edible yard. Yes, absolutely, wherever I can. So I'm going to order that one. It it's uh, it won't get uh, fruit. They won't be ready until fall. But then I'll be eating these from this 45-day one first. Oh, so, so good planning. See, this will work fine. So those two are on my agenda and I like the idea of growing really an old heritage variety eggplant I mean uh, when you were growing up did you ever eat eggplant well we <coughs> tried it um, we grew it in the garden and we did the thing where you put it in the the egg yolk and and you you put yeah. um, crumbles on it but it's just not been a favorite yeah that's all right you know if you put enough crumbles and make it enough like fried stuff it's fine right exactly and you put cats upon it that yes. helps too yeah so so i'm sorry i'm just not a big fan yeah well you know i eggplant is kind of a new thing to me uh not that i haven't been aware of it but i just didn't eat it i didn't know how to cook with it and now that i discovered it i just you know a real advocate for it it's, it's just really good well yeah you know when i was growing up i used to buy all kinds of seeds because <coughs> 4-h i had gardening as a project so i would pick seeds just because oh I didn't know what to do with them like kohlrabi we used to grow them and they used to get as giant as bowling oh, balls yes. because we just didn't know what to do with them but I was just like oh look at I grew or, yeah I love that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so now I've learned I don't have the space I used to have on the farm so I'm very selective right right and then there's one other thing that I'm kind of thinking about I haven't entirely made up my mind but it's called um, cucamelon 
It's a round cucumber. It looks like a baby watermelon. That's it. I've seen that. It looks just like a watermelon, but it's tiny, like three, four inches maybe. Um, It's round. It's round. Yeah, yeah. And and you use it for uh, slicing and putting on salads and things. I don't know if I want something really frivolous, but yet in the whole scheme of things, uh, that might be nice in my edible landscape, you know? So I might just try that. Well, you know, another thing you might want to try that I tried last year is this broccolini. Now, it's not broccoli rob. I tried broccoli rob, and that's very, very bitter. But this is a new thing where the broccoli doesn't form just a big head. It'll have more little sprouts coming up. You'll you'll initially cut one that's a little bigger, and then they keep getting these nice little sprouts that you can eat all summer long. And they're kind of nice looking, too. So that might be something to consider, and they're very tasty. Yes. You know, that's that's just a little bit... um, uh, it has a, a more of a problem with with the uh, white moth that comes and lays eggs in that. And up at the garden with all the broccoli, we raise them um, underneath hoops uh, with the netting on so that they don't... The, and oh. I, I don't want hoops in cover, my... Cover, I see, a little right, cover. Right. So. Now, I haven't had a lot of trouble <laughs> with that. So, I mean, I guess I've just been lucky so yeah. far. Knock yeah. on wood. <laughs> Well, you know, it depends on the uh, season, too. Right. Sometimes. Every uh, year is different. I might say be bragging to you like, well, I've never had problems, and I might have the biggest problem this year of ever. Kind of like Japanese beetle. One year they're just horrible, and the next year they're like, right. oh, they're not bad. Yes. And then you kind of forget about it, and then it comes back. I was watching a program on the emerald ash borer and the tree, and it said if we had temperatures that were 27 degrees below zero for at least three days, it would kill the majority of them. I don't think we've had that low for that many days in a row, though. No, no. I mean, who would want that? Well, uh, no, but but I, if it would kill the, <clears throat> the um, if it would kill them, I'd be happy. I would, too, but, <laughs> um, you know, that would be a real hardship for a lot of people to be that cold for three days. I always think about people that work and they take their children to daycare early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Maybe 7 o'clock in the morning, how cold, and out in a car. Oh, wow, what a hardship that would be. Well, we are just about out of time, Barb, but thanks for bringing that up and uh, hope that answered our listeners' question. They wanted to know about hydroponics, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, please text us or call us, let us know. You can do that at 507-389-5678. We are always happy to, uh, we, we like to learn, too. Yeah, and, and if you're ordering seeds now, if you're trying something new or you tried something last year and it was successful, let us know that too. We'd like mm-hmm. to share that with other people. Absolutely. Thanks, Barb. Thank you, Karen.